2: Hello, guys, and welcome to this week's episode of Heavy Metal Tones with me, your podcast host, Tony Evans. Um, I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Ralph Halber from Heads for the Dead. I know I bloody enjoyed interviewing him. Um, it was a really, um, real fun time. I'm, I'm glad you... I hope you did enjoy it, because I did. Anyway, back to a good old album review. Tony does a heavy metal classic. And actually, it's not a heavy metal classic. It's a heavy rock classic in my books, but... Um, and it's one of those forgotten albums uh, by this band. The band in question is Def Leppard. Uh, Most people will know Def Leppard for Pyromania and Hysteria, some of the biggest selling albums of all time. Uh, But uh, I'm going to say that I don't actually like or enjoy either of those albums. Uh, Of the two, Pyromania is my favourite of those two, but the album which we're going to talk about today which is uh, on through the night, their first album, uh, released uh, in 1970. Hang on, what have I got here? Uh, 1980. Sorry. Um, it's uh, it's a, a, it's one of those forgotten albums because it's it's the uh, it's the Def Leppard that I particularly love. It's a Def Leppard that sort of sits um, in, uh, in a time that they... I don't know how to describe it. You have the first EP, which is the Def Leppard, and then you have this album they released. Um, and of course, it sort of jumps in and around. It's in splashing in and around the new wave of British heavy metal. And they were sort of linked with that um, sort of groundbreaking new uh, movement. I sort of struggle to put them in there. They they sit there like a lot of bands like Venom do that shouldn't really. And um, But they sort of have that sort of new wave sound. But unlike the other new wave bands, they don't have any punky influence. It doesn't feel. There's no punk feel um, that you get. I mean, even though look, my maiden, like to disagree, with Deano on vocals, it, and he was a big punk, right? Uh, you get those punky feels so um, they formed in 1976 and uh, for 1976 and 1977 they were called the atomic mass and from 77 for a year they were chemical reaction and then 77 onwards uh, um, after that were Def Leppard they were formed in Sheffield which is um, for those that don't know is up in the north of England it's an industrial part of the country where a lot of big bands like Judas Priest and Black Sabbath—they're not from Sheffield, but they're from the industrial parts of, of of England. And that's, I think, as we've talked before in the previous episode, is how where the where the birth of, of, of heavy metal comes from. It's like um, true punk is really only punk if they if you if you've lived in a <laughs> to be honest, if you lived in London in the seventies, um, growing up in the sixties, you know it was a shithole And same with um, metal. It's like that sort of industrial sound comes from. From the machinery of of, of hard labor, uh, working men's clubs, um, and, a, and, a, and a need to get away, and they this this band Def Leppard is one of those bands. The difference between, as I said, they don't have a punky influence. What they get for me, what I get from them, is that sort of, and you and you see it straight away in the lyric of this of a, the second, um, second second track on the album um they always yearned was particularly joe elliott um to be big in america right because they saw the writing on the wall being big in england was not big enough then the money was over in america the glamour the sun the women the drugs everything was over there in america okay and when you listen to their music particularly this album up probably up to pyromania not yeah definitely up to about pyromania i'd say um they have this sort of aor glam sound you know they they have like a they sound a bit like journey some of the tracks would sit beautifully on an eagles album they have a big west coast sound or east coast sound um and the original lineup consists of this is the so this is the original lineup the, the new obviously from 91 onwards it was a different lineup uh, but the original lineup was joe elliot on guitar pete willis on guitar backing vocals steve clark sadly um steve clark uh, passed away of alcohol addiction um in uh, 19 on the 8th of january 1991 so um just a little bit of a a note there those that are struggling with any kind of uh as i like to call it the dark tea time of the soul um well, that's a douglas adams quote but you understand um any of those issues you reach out please well, please reach out um because he had such a wonderful talent he was one of the he's considered one of the top 100 guitarists of all time one of the wildest guitarists of all time i personally um along with Gary Moore I sort of I sort of modeled myself on his stance the low slung Gibson you know um, the, the, the sort of I don't know it just has that whole it, you can see where hair metal come from when it comes to people like Steve Clark now he was only 30 years old and There are people out there who are listening to this who know people who, who know people that listening, who are know people as well that you know in their families and their personal lives where this sort of stuff is happening uh, please do reach out and help. There's never ever a time you can't find help. Um, there's always someone to reach out to, even in your darkest hour. Anyway, I'll on that, that on that note we we'll move on to the Then we have Rick Savage on bass and backing vocals. Rick Allen, the now one arm drummer, but had two arms then on drums and backing vocals. So they all did they all did singing as well. So again that's where you get that I get that east coast west coast you know um sort of van halen i mean that's another one they sort of without they're almost van halen-y without the early on without the i don't know without the flair and that's a that's a horrible thing to say what i mean by flair is you know what i mean that, that like joe allen uh, joe elliott's a great front man but he's you know he's no dave lee roth when it comes to flair. Um, yeah uh, it look see i yeah and this is where I, I get stuck with this because i really really love this early album because it's it's very mixed it's very progressive it has blues it has west coast east coast it has new wave it's got prog in there there's some stuff in there that um reminds it could come straight off an iron maiden album or the early maiden albums so they were dealing and listening to that new wave scene. I know like um that uh when there's a there's an apocryphal story that Sting was at a bar, I think it might be the Marquee and the Damned were playing. And uh Sting was standing at the bar and uh, uh Dave Vanyan went to the bar and was chatting to him and 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 Sting said, I think I could be in a band and uh um uh, Dave Vanian told him to fuck off. Um, <laughs> he's a poncy, um he punsy middle class twat. Um, this is an apocryphal story. Now, where I was coming from with there was that um, I think that the, uh, Def Leppard felt the same way in that movement. They weren't quite. I mean, they weren't. They didn't have an image that was you know the studs and the leather and the spandex. Um, you know and they just didn't and they and you know they just didn't sit in the same feel the same as say like Maiden or Demon or Satan or Venom or, or Diamond Head or Praying Mantis although they were probably close to Praying Mantis to be honest with you they were actually probably closer to Tigers of Pang Tang um, so I think like a lot of those like punk bands in the 70s like XTC sort of you know and and, and to some extent I hate to say this but it's true The Stranglers um, sort of grabbed on the coattails of the punk movement and, and made themselves a place in history. And I think that's the same with uh, with um, Def Leppard. Obviously, they went on to be not as big as Maiden, but they, at one point, bigger, yeah? They had their moment in the sun. Um, I've seen them live twice, absolutely brilliant. They were absolutely brilliant both times. Um they just have a, a showmanship to them they can tell why of all of the um new wave metal uh sorry new wave bands of the time them and maiden were going to be stadium bands you were never going to see a band like um which find a general which find or or Ven, uh not venom um you know um praying mantis or even dimehead Filling out stable uh, stadiums, you just weren't going to see it. With well, these two, you could feel in their their future that it was going to be there. So obviously, they've had a few albums. This is my favorite. The second one is the most um, is where their sound starts to coalesce. Uh, I particularly like this one because I love the cover. I love the the, the Pan truck on the front flying through the sky. I like the old logo. Um, It has this really polished um, feel to it. Uh, More polished actually than uh, any other of the sort of first outings of some of those bands. Even my Maiden's first album didn't sound as polished as this. And that's that's saying something. Now, it was produced by, and I've written this down, give me a second. I have to find my nerds one moment. Cory own handwriting. It was produced by um, Tom Allen, or the Colonel Tom Allen, they call him. Um, he p- produced uh, Priest's British Steel and a couple of Black Sabbath and Crocus albums. It was um, recorded at the Startling Studios, which in Aston at Berk- Ascot, Berkshire, was Ringo Starr's studio. Where British Steel was recorded. So, again, that's probably why it has that. There's some points where it sounds a little priest priesty and sometimes... Now, you might have said to me before, "We spend been a priest, why did you not mention priests in those big bands of, of the New Wave of British heavy Metal? I don't sit them in that um, category because they formed um, much earlier. I think New Wave of British heavy Metal band, bands form in around 76, 77, and go through to 80, 81, whereas priests formed well before then. Yes, they were part of it but they weren't um a foundation member they were sort of like just on the periphery but anyway that's a different conversation and i'll have an episode regarding that so please go back and listen to it now it's um it was released on the 14th of march 1980 11 songs 44 minutes and four seconds long a couple of the tracks were re-recorded from their ep um that's rock brigade and wasted and overture sorry um, it was from their first EP. Um, now it's quite hard to get listen to their first EP, but when you do hear it, um, it does have that real rawness, and you can see why the labels and um, they're on Vertigo for this particular album. Why Vertigo picked them up? I mean, at the time they were riding high, with, like, as I mentioned the previous weeks. You know, the Sensational Alex Harvey Band. They had Black Sabbath on their books. All right, the um, so they were picking up. Um, new wave bands all over the place and they picked up Def Leppard which was a good one for them this album didn't do too well it sort of came in and disappeared It got to 98 in Australia 515 in the UK and 51st in the USA um, a couple of singles off of it that got to 61 and 51 um, Hello America got to 45 sorry and uh, Wasted, Wasted got to 61 uh, so they weren't. They didn't. They didn't um, nudge any of the charts at all. But they had a very big underground following, and their following album uh, really, in the deep end, really um, took off. That one absolutely um, flew uh, off. I think mainly off of the because it was then Mutt Lang was producing the famous Mutt Lang. Yes, the second album, High and Dry, 1981. Then there was Pyromania in 83, Hysteria in 87, Adrenalise in 92, Slang in 96, Euphoria in 1999, X in 2002, Yeah in 2006, Songs from the Sparkle Lounge in 2008, which is the tour I saw them on. It was, I have to say, it's the only T-shirt I've never really kept. It was a bit hair-metally. Um, Def Leopard in 2015, Diamond Star Halos in 2022, which I thought was a really good album, by the way. Um, it certainly... Uh, for me, um, was the my favourite of the newer albums. But as I said, this one here, on through the night, nineteen eighty, is the one we're talking about. So they're rising stars. They've written a cracking album with eleven songs on it, which is pretty good value for money if you think about it. On vinyl, eleven tracks. Uh, um, they don't, and they're not all um, speedy gee. See, but they don't. Um, go at a million miles an hour they're all quite deliciously different uh, and differently textured and I actually will talk about those on the um, on the B side of this show so also a quick note to those that don't know uh, what I was talking about earlier sorry I should have made a note of that with Rick Allen he lost his arm in a car accident um, and had to learn to play the drums again um, he learned by lying in bed the hospital bed using his feet and tapping his feet against the metal ends of the bed um, to make rhythm and so, so he didn't give up and the band didn't give up on him which is you know amazing he came out and um, he came out and invented the drum kit where he could use his feet um, so it's an electric kit he uses his feet and his other on his arm and just amazing piece of um, for me just willing, the willing to to keep going. I mean, it could have broken many people, and it should have broken many people, but and it has done. But not Rick. You know, he just carried on. And you know, when he came out that time when we saw him live, and he walked out in the middle of the ramp, the big stage in the middle of the st- stadium, and he came out with the you know waving his one arm. We were just and oh, it was just so it, it was just so um makes you think. Hey, you know, don't say oh I can't do that now. Of a person, a drummer, a quali- no, before he lost his arm as well. One of the best drummers there is um, to lose his arm, recover and not lose a beat. Pardon the, pardon, um, and just take it on the chin and, and keep going. And good on the band for, for standing by him. Really, really amazing, you know. Uh, and all the all the kudos and success to them, all in my opinion. Anyway, enough for this side. I will talk to you on the other side, track by track, on this amazing album. hi guys welcome back to the show um deaf leopards on through the night now where do we begin um we begin at the beginning don't we i'll give you a track rundown first okay so i said 11 tracks uh i really cherish my my vertigo um print mine's a canadian print i think um, i don't know why i've got a canadian one i seem to have a canadian one i'm really really love it a lot um a for the artwork and um, b for the fact that it's one of those Um, forgotten Wobham albums that uh, are quite hard to get hold of now on vinyl. So, it begins with Rock Brigade Brigade, which was a single in the US only, released on the 14th of May 1980. Hello America, Sorrow is a Woman, It Could Be You Satellite, When the Walls Come Tumbling Down, Wasted Rocks Off It Don't Matter, Answer to the Master Overture. Now, as I said, this is a real mix of um, of interesting styles and sounds. It it's it has a really at some points some really heavy, dirty, um, Gibson-driven blues overtures, right? A real sort of riff, head-banging, party music. Uh, it's what makes um, is what makes this particular kind of album so delicious uh, and and so um, addictive uh, to to listeners because every time I play it and I've played it a fair few times, listeners, I can guarantee you that um, I hear something different. Like when I sat down this morning before recording this and uh, just gave myself reacquaintance with um, with the. Um, with the um, sound it's sort of I don't know it, it um, again I saw new things I heard new things in it so I had to scrabble to write some notes down because I'd already read notes and I thought no I'm thinking I've heard something different so let's start with Rock um, Brigade the American single it's very much a. you can see why they released it only in America as a single it's it's um, good sing-along, anthemaic, arena-y sounding song. It sit really well on uh, Pyromania, or even, in, to be honest, with a bit more polish. It probably sound really good on Hysteria as well. Um, it's not my favourite song on the album. I think it's a little bit um, Journey. As I told you before, they do have this sort of sound that could sit nicely in a you know, Journey album or in Eagles or or something like that. You know, one of those sort of those sort of big hairy American bands of the 70s, you know the type. Um, even Leonard Skinner to some extent actually. And that's saying something. One second we can move this over here. Oop. Um, sorry I put my book down. not the mic again. Alright, yes, so I've put here dirty, um, sort of semi proto glam um, almost Joan Jettish that's what i've written here i hear a bit of the black hearts in this guitar sound it's that it really when i say before on the first half that there was no punk sound in this album i'm sort of slightly lying i think um there's a little bit of the new york dolls in this uh not this not the drug part of the new york dolls but that sort of sleazy gibson slur which they were very really good at um and it sort of it sort of is there it's definitely set like where a lot of the bands um in the era were writing about youth culture and 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 their um you know their surroundings and stuff that they knew most about um appears to me that the right when they wrote this album they were really fantasizing. There was a lot of fantasy and, and, and forward projecting uh, to their um their bigger success in America and around the world. So again, a good opening set, good good opening track. Again, not not something that I'm I'm overly love, but it's there. Then the single, as I said before, uh, you know I said that they always felt like they wanted to live in America, be Ameri- not be American as such. I think mean, they're very, very proud of being British, but you know, that sort of sun seas sex and boat you know Botox big boobs and 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 um, bouncing blue waves you know what I mean um, and you get that from hello America Hello America is their sort of um, they sort of I don't know they' they call to arms for their future um, because they wouldn't they uh, they do get looked down upon by some of the hardcore, fans of the time uh, that they sort of sold their souls to the americans um i don't really think that's the case you're selling your soul to the americans is getting famous and then going and doing it this seems to me that they were always planning there was always a future there was always a an agenda that they were going to break out from the great leaden skies of sheffield in the north of england to flat from flat caps and yorkshire pudding and hard hours in the mine and pits And factories, like their parents would have done, to um, to the sun and the sand, and the women and the dollars and the fast cars and you know, I mean, I keep painting that picture, but that's what the picture we we were painted back then in the seventies of that we were coming out from major or going into major um, strikes and uh, and uh, unemployment and devaluation of the pound and. Selling off of our national um, you know, amenities and our national industry, our cars industry was failing. Um, coal mining was falling apart. Uh, yeah, steel mines and so on, and working the working hours were atrocious for little pay. There hadn't been pay rises for some time, and we cost of living very much like now was not in line with with earnings. So. But if we looked across the ocean, and there they were, the Americans, right? Chewing gum and, you know, driving um, open-top cars and, uh, you know, big shoulder pads and, and the dollar. Now, that may not be true. I mean, there's a lot of parts of America, as we know, uh, that were struggling, of course, equally as, as as much as anywhere else. But we, there, that wasn't a picture that was painted to us as youths in the 70s. So, how do America, for me, is... Um, is definitely, definitely uh, musically again, it's pretty good. Like I said it's got that sort of AOR East Coast sound, Joan Jet sound, and I quite like it. Um, it does leave me a little bit cold because it makes me feel a bit sad. Because I, I've always thought that um, that they got a lot of stick for for choosing the direction of their lives, and they shouldn't do because. Musically, this album—and again, if you if you were going to listen to it for the first time after this show—you might open your eyes a little bit. It is an absolute corker. Don't just go straight to your pyromanias and your hysterias. This is a really brilliant album. Uh, I think so better than High and Dry, and that's you know, and that was their first major big success. Um, and then we move into Sorrow Is a Woman. Now, Sorrow Is a Woman is borderline balladry. You know, now they did. They are well known for their ballads. Um, again, that's from their their um, American influences. Their, um, you know, d- d- they they uh, just trying to be a little bit different. I think, to be honest though, sorrow as a woman reminds me slightly of, of them of Maiden's version um, uh, Sabbath when they did women in uniform it's not as catchy as women in uniform but it's got that sort of um bluesy kind of sadness to it you know sorrow is a woman it is i mean it's a it's a great lyric it's a great lyric i'm also not sure why he sort of got women in uniform there i think maybe because it was women in the title my brain went in a weird tangent anyway the lyric is um it's brilliant, Rick. You're always pretending to be someone who prefers to be free. You think you can fool me you're, with your lion eyes, but what is the game that you play when all you're trying is to say is that the lonely that is that you're lonely in a need of a friend? Oh yeah, sorrow woman, sorrow woman. I just can't seem to get you. Oh yeah, sorrow woman. If only you could see her, you as I do. And can't you see that it's true? There's someone as lonely as you, trying to, so hard, so hard to get through. And why can't everyone see that the way it really should be? Why hide your feelings and suffer the pain? Oh yeah, sorrow woman, sorrow woman. Um, I I don't again. I don't think that's a relationship song. I think that could be something about mums, sisters. Who knows? It doesn't. Sound, it, it. I. Every time I listen to that single. Um, I do feel a bit sad. I mean, it it does have that title, I suppose, Sorrow as a Woman, but it it does have a real bluesy feel to it. It's a fantastic guitar piece in it, great solo. It's not as um, down as you think it would be. Um, And then we move into uh, It Could Be You. Now, Joe Elliott's got an amazing voice, okay? We haven't really spoke about this yet, but he has an amazing vocal range. And It Could Be You is possibly one of the most interesting songs of the album because it has it really says hey i love judas priest the way that his vocal comes in with a very high scream, the guitars are moving the same way as kk downing and uh, and uh, tipton played it's got that real um real priest groove it's fast it's fun it's energetic um it, it could easily come off of uh of any of the early Priest albums by a long shot. It's actually, um, I'm ashamed, I'm, ashamed, I'm ashamed surprised it wasn't um, put out as a single, but it is an absolute cracker of a song. Follows, I mean, Sorrow Is a Woman starts fast and then goes slow, whereas, um, you know, It Could Be You just comes out of the gate straight away, rocking and rolling. That dirty Gibson sound, that twin guitar sound, like, um, like Maiden was trying to catch forever and ever and ever. Before, you know, they want the wishbone ash twin sound you know um it has a sort of nazareth feel uh i didn't mention that before they do feel a bit like nazareth there's some priest sounds to it there's a bit of early maiden you can almost feel we've known this is before maiden this is around the same time but it just seems that they sat they caught the zeitgeist um yes i said zeitgeist i do know the long words as well the beginning was it don't ask me now uh, anyway then we move to satellite satellite's an interesting number this really is a fantastic again it follows on from it could be you really well it's got lovely chuggy um light guitar chug you know not a really heavy blow your ears but just a rocking chugging um most you know proto down um uh, sort of palm muted sound and it has this sort of real Fun US sound again. This one is a very American sounding one. About obviously, it's about what it says on the thing, it's shooting through the sky. Because the front of the album, the cover, I did mention before, is a Pantechnican flying through the sky with a guitar on the back. It's got that sort of uh, fun feel. It's the middle of this album, really does seem to gallop along. You sort of before you blink, you're at sort of halfway. You've turned the record over, and you think, Well, that where's it gone? It is, it's uh, it also has a slight um i'm trying to think hey one second i'm trying to think what this song reminds me of i think it's dr feelgood but i could be wrong anyway um it's loaded with fantastic um uh, this might be the first time we hear joe elliott's "Ooh years uh which uh i think is very good it's very is very is very him that sort of um again sort of american sleaziness which i absolutely love but it's not really sleazy it's just the way he sings but it's got it also feels a bit like uh um it i don't know yeah i think certainly rhythmically it feels a bit like dr feelgood like that pub band punk rock band we talked about before dr feelgood you might go no it doesn't sound like it but you know we're all different we all hear different things and you might go I don't hear that at all. Well, I could sort of hear it slightly there. But it's very open, very wide sound. It's very clean. It's beautifully produced. It's not mushy, dirty, um, muddy. It's be- it's a brilliant production, actually. And and it stands up, you know, all these years later, it stands up um, incredibly, 40 years or so, and it's it's just, wow, you know, uh, who would believe it, right? And then we move on to When the Walls Come Tumbling Down. Now, this is the prog. Sound to me, this is really proggy. It opens with a, a spoken word part, and it was originally spoken by Joe Elliott on demos and live productions. But it got on the album, was recorded by Dave um, Dave Cousins from the Straubs. Did it? And he says that he tried to make it sound as close to his impersonation of Sir John, so sorry, Sir Olivia uh, Lawrence Olivier as he could. It really has a bit of that. Um, uh, sort of epicness that Maiden had, you know, and doing the did very well with Alexander the Great and Rhyme the Ancient Mariner. Um, it's quite a dark song, um, it's very epic, very uh, literal. A, a, a track I hate to say this, but if you listen very carefully, you, you can almost hear Alexander the Great in it. Uh, maybe they were influenced, maybe Maiden were influenced by it it's got this proto-gallop in it, not a maiden gallop as such but there's a gallop in it um, it has that real atmospheric open with the cymbals and, and the and the wind and the voice and it feels oh, this is probably the most uh, in fact it is, it's the most new wave of British heavy metal there is on this album because um, that genre was filled with this, as you know, with the sort of dragons and the medieval imagery and Arthurian legend and you know science fiction and all that sort of stuff it was um all it was basically an an audio version of the comic books the kids were reading before they or the books they were reading um in in Maiden's case uh it's very proggy um it's it's as you would guess it's probably my favorite songs on the album because of that I love that it's comes this far into the album it's not a long song it's not like Roman Ancient, Ancient Mariner or it's 15 minutes long no, no no, by no means it speeds along um, I have to look into it if it's based on a book or not I, I couldn't find that out okay, it might be I don't know I'll have to check it out but it was really really amazing it's very um, unexpected after the sort of uh, new American sound that you get early on in the album and the priesty kind of sound and then you get the, sing- the uh, single Wasted on which came out on the 2nd of November 1979 and got to 61 um this is a good rock and roll song okay great sing along really good solo i really enjoyed um i, I still enjoy the, the 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 journey it takes you on it's a classic classic sound right uh it it's a good single it's amazing it didn't get do any better i suppose unfortunately at the time it was fighting the punk explosion and so people were not buying heavy rock album songs or heavy metal songs maybe. So, you know, if it had come out maybe two, three years later it probably would have gotten to the top 20 quite easily. It's a real um, fun song and being at 61 is not good enough for it in my opinion. Really great guitar solo in it. I'm not sure whether it's um, Wheels or willis or or clark on that solo but um someone could probably tell me on that it's absolutely brilliant and then we followed with um rock soft which was um which is came off the ep original ep it is what it is it is actually for me a prototype proto glam rock hair metal song not prototype glam because glam we around before then but hair metal it's got that kind of sound and feel that you'd get from motley crew or poison you know or la guns or something like that some of those and i'm going to say it's so out god i'm going to lose some listeners but awful i cannot stand hair metal i really can't um it's sleazy it's glammy again i feel it also has a joan jet feel The one good thing about it is I really really like the guitar solo in it, I really like the speed and the fun and the space in the notes and the clarity of it, nothing is repeated, it's all um, kind of, it's just fun, I think the overall arching uh, feedback from this album is fun fun with some extra fun and side of fun sauce on top. Uh, yeah brilliant i mean if i'm gonna say this on the meter, the now famous meter, this album takes it to, to to 10 it may not go to 11 i think it misses mark in some areas um purely on the uh sort of aor feel but if you're gonna go um and take away that and just listen to it as a good Rock album, it sits closely to a ten and a half, almost an eleven. It almost takes the Mercury out of the meter. I absolutely love this album. Um, And then we're going to move into get my notes. We get uh, it don't matter. Coming to the end of the album here, it don't matter. Um, It couldn't be more East Coast. I've written here. Um, Big big arena sound. Right, this is where it starts. Big arena sound. Eagles' journey. That kind of thing it's got um, audacious I wrote this cannot believe I wrote this audacious wah Um it's dirty and it's frantic um, I love wah I think wah guitar for me I first fell in love with wah um, through Clapton's use of it on uh, Disraeli gears um, and every time now and when, when I hear a good wah being played it just sends me into it has sort of a tribalistic um, uh, angry sadness to it. This sort of depth of uh, of texture, which I absolutely love, and if it's done properly, um, Zach Wild does it. Uses it really well. He just opens it up and uses it as an open, like a gate. Whereas these guys were, you know, uh, opening and closing the gate to get that that sort of deep wah sound. And it's um, masterful, masterful. Really, really, truly. Um, all I can say about that is, again, where you come off a, a real, real rollicking roller coaster of a song like "Rocks Off," and then it don't matter jumps in after you. This, it's truly all killer, no filler. The well, that's not true. I said I don't really like Rock Brigade, but and "Hello America" does leave me a little bit cold. But I think out of the eleven tracks, nine out of eleven to me sounds like all killer, right? Um and then we go answer to the master, second to last track it took me right back to Noabum. it has a real Nawabum proto-doom sound I've written here, I and mean, that's true it does it has a real sort of um, deep, dark um, almost uh, Witchfinder General-esque sound, uh, Witchfind as well now you could say that Witchfind, because Witchfinder and General and Witchfinder were playing around the same time um, it feels like it's got a real groovy dna um it sort of feels groovy until it comes uh, the guitars come back in it, uh, after the sort of like grindy dirty sound it then goes straight back to, to a stadium sound it's tight um it's fast it has a sabbat feel um i've talked about sabbat before one of my favorite tune bands um thrash bands ever there was an episode please go back and look into my catalog you will find it you know, I reviewed Dreamweaver. Um, it does. It sounds like that. And you know, honestly, I think Sabat were probably uh, listening to this album. Who knows? Were uh, Were they Were Def Leppard listening to um, You know, Which Fighter General? I mean, it certainly has a sort of early sabbath sound on there as well which could easily be very British there's nothing I mean there was a, America sort of grabbed that doom sound later on but they didn't really have it the way that the Brits had and it has a sort of doom sound was actually a delicious change of, uh, of texture and pace um, in this and then we finish uh, we finish with uh, Overture um, it this comes from the EP originally this really has a who feel this has a very obvious quo status quo who sound and I didn't mention the quo before but they also have a, a quo feel um, across this you know this album this twin guitar fun um, dueling guitar, big smiles on their faces just rock and roll fun um, it also has a real heap of Nazareth in this track uh, and it ends the album really really well Uh, now I've said quite a long way through this review that they sound like this and they sound like that because this does sound like they're um, they're finding the album obviously high and dry and onwards they had their leopard sound this to me was um, sounded like years and years of of practice and touring and you know like all bands I've been in bands are the same thing we just play cover versions of your favorite bands and favorite tracks because you love them and it's not easy to play but you because you know them so well you just learn the parts and then that style of music seeps into your style of music and then um, suddenly you're playing um, a middle eight in a track that sounds very much like overture or very much like um boys are back in town again this band also has a Fin lizzie groove to it um which i sort of forgot to really mention because it's just come to me then um but it does you know it's got that anything that has a dirty gibson feel is going to have and that's why i love gibson guitars listeners it's honestly why i love them because they're just they just you know nothing says rock and roll quite like a Gibson guitar you know like to me telecaster say tell me i'm a country band you know and and fenders just sound like to me say hey you know um we're playing some good rock and roll here we're playing some very intricate and clever guitar solos we're playing some blues but still for me most beautiful guitar to listen to through a martial amp and not much else is a overdriven Gibson and you know the early classic 70s ones that aren't chambered their body they're not chambered bodies they weigh a bloody ton and the way that Clark used to play it slung round his legs real Joan Jet sound real sort of as I said influenced probably by New York Dolls probably by the Ramones even though they have none of that sound Ramones sound anyway um, it's just brilliant, and the album is a cracker. It really is. It's their bare best album, by a long way for me. Um, I mean, you might disagree. You might say no. I like the extremely overproduced, um, over melodramatic, balladized albums like Pyromania and Hysteria. Now, I was talking about this to my wife only this morning, and she, her eyes up, she loves Hysteria, loves it. Um, when I said I don't really enjoy it, she looked at me and said oh, you're just a snob and you know what no I'm not I, I'd like to think it was music snobbery but I have enough um, experience in this industry and in, in my musical taste to understand that where if you put on Hysteria I will listen to it I could sing along to it it's a fun album and it's you know it is easily accessible it is easily accessible mass market rock and roll with some absolute crackers now that's not to say i didn't love it i bought animal when it came out okay on the day of release i went and bought animal it was the same day that i bought um welcome to the jungle okay so i remember that day vividly getting off the bus running to um our price records in brent cross and with the only money i could scrounge around um i bought those two singles so i remember it vividly all right um and i loved it i really really did it was that time in my life when i was just learning what i liked and what i didn't like and, and you know what i bloody love um on through the night uh it, it is so different to every other new album album out there nothing out there in that whole two to three year period even comes anywhere near it in its difference you know it very much like maiden sound like maiden and have their own sound and did not sound like Nawabum, if you know what I mean. Def Leopard's On Through the Night is exactly the same. And sadly it's not in the same it's not held in the same breath as Killers or Iron Maiden, you know? Or uh, you know, or even um, you know, Lightning for the Nations by Diamond Head. you know, it's just it isn't and, and, and I think it should be. I think it really, really should be so i hope you enjoyed this please do go and take a listen it's on all good string platforms you can listen to it you can watch it on youtube or listen to it on youtube um but if you can get hold of the first ep i'm not sure let me tell i don't think it's on on spotify let me have a look yes it is it is on spotify fantastic i actually you have to dive down and go right to the bottom of their catalog to find it it should be with the albums i don't know why it's not i just found out that um Joe Elliott's just done a single with Ghost. There you go. What a surprise! Spillways featuring Joe Elliott. Hmm. Oh dear, dear. Anyway, that aside. <laughs> no, I um, didn't you know that came out last year. Um, yeah, do go and have a listen to the EP. It it's rough, it's ready. Uh, it has more of a, it's closer to more than a womb sound. Um, it's only three songs ride right into the sun get your rocks off which they called rocks off on the new album on the on this album and Overture um, three songs 14 minutes long well worth the listen uh, you can then see the history of the music from this EP through to this album I've just talked about anyway thanks for listening thanks for listening to be waffling on do go and please give me some a review um, on Spotify on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts uh, five stars would be nice please because the more reviews i get the more um people see me the, the algorithm works that way you know, i know it's stupid but it does um, and i'd going to try and beat last year's numbers i had an absolute cracker last year and uh, this year lots of big lots of big um projects planned for the show so Hold on, it's going to be fantastically a year, but yes, please do pop over and give me a review. And after you've done that, go and listen to this album. And if you feel so inclined, go and buy it on CD, or if you find a, a vinyl copy of it, if you can, grab it, because it is an absolute cracker. Bye for now.